Well, we're glad that you're here this morning. Glad you've come. Several folks have asked how, how it went, taking Keith up to Greenville, South Carolina. It stunk. <laughs> I hated it. You know, <laughs> this is church, isn't it? We're supposed to be kind of honest in church, aren't we? But, uh, oh my. Someone said, how, how is he doing? He's an hour and 15 minutes by plane. That's how he's doing. That's how far he is away. Things went pretty well. I mean, it's, uh, it was a comedy of errors and things that got us up there. And, and then some things that when we got there were interesting and all. But all that's a challenge, and it's a part of our life. We all have challenges. I heard about your challenge, by the way. I won't talk about it today. That, that was scary. Anyway, and uh, but uh, we are are grateful and thankful for your prayers and thankful uh, how God works in our hearts and lives. Let me ask you a question. You ever come to church and didn't get anything out of it? Not here. Not here. I mean, I mean, other churches, you've gone to those churches and you walked out, you're kind of thinking, really? You know, <laughs> really what happened? And uh, well, we don't want that to be the case. And one of the reasons we're traveling down the book of Revelation chapter 2 uh, is because in, these, in this journey that we're on, uh, we're talking about lessons that help us to grow and to change. And uh, we get to a certain age when we really love to change, don't we? We just enjoy it. I'm at that age right now. I just love change. And, uh, but it's very much a part of our life if we want to grow. And I don't know what you, I still want to grow. I still want my life to, to be effective. Uh, I want to happen to the world. I don't want the world to happen to me. And sometimes I think that's what's going on. We're just kind of letting things happen and all. And I don't believe God left us here for that reason. Do y'all really think that's why we're here? You know, just kind of take up space, you know? I think God has a purpose for our life. Don't y'all think that? You know, I, I really do. I believe God has a purpose for each person that is here this morning. I, without question, I believe that's the case. God, God has some things for us to do. If that wasn't the case, we'd be shuffling off to Buffalo, wouldn't we? You know, we'd be on the other side of the sod. So God has things for us to do. And, and as you come to church and as you live your life every day, I hope you get up with the realization that, thank God I'm alive and there's some things for me to do. God has things. Amen? Amen. Maybe that doesn't include you. Dad does. Well, here in the book of Revelation, God's been instructing us on some things that we need to be aware of, some, some very basic lessons, and, and he's the one doing the teaching. So I, I kind of want to hear what he's got to say. We talked about the reality. Uh, we started out here in, in, in the church in Ephesus, and this was a cool church. I mean, a very active church, a uh, very militant church when it comes to getting the gospel out. I mean, they were very, very active, and they were very, very busy, so much so that they forgot, and they fell out of love with God. They got so busy serving him that they forgot to love him and God really wants to us to love him and that was the lesson we learned on the very first church put the Lord first and whatever we do uh, let's not get so hung up on programs and plans that we forget we want him first and you know that's I know it's true for churches but it's also true for individuals you know you have a responsibility every day to put God first that's your responsibility and so that was his instruction to us he took us to the Sardis church, and the Sardis church was a church that was suffering. And I don't know about you, no one likes to suffer. I don't get up in the morning and say, man, what a great day to suffer, you know? So I walk outside and get slapped in the head with humidity. And uh, when, that, when you get up and it's 80 degrees out, you're going to swim to church. And so, uh, but you know, not really suffering, but you know, when we, we go through suffering, if we're not careful what happens is we just focus on the suffering, just focus on the problem. And his instruction to us was, look up, look ahead. Look up unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Because if you don't look up, where do you look? 
class. If you don't look up, where do you look? Yeah, you do, and you look in, you see. You can be careful with that and look ahead. Look ahead and realize that, that you know, God's in charge, and, and I realize that maybe things may look bleak, but I, I read the last chapter. I know who wins, and so look ahead. We got into the Pergamos church, and they were very, they had a problem with truth in the Pergamos church. In fact, they decided to compromise the truth. And by doing that, it put them in a situation. Let me tell you something about compromise. Once you start compromising, where do you quit? Once you go down that road of that, well, that's not so bad, or, or that's not so bad, if you do something like that, pretty soon you don't know what is truth because you have destroyed the foundation of truth. And so they, they were instructed, don't compromise the truth. Now, what's interesting in this church in Thyatira, it's right in the middle and the church, the church in Thyatira had a problem with political correctness. Have you heard that word before? Is that, is that a new word to y'all? You know, we politically correct. Politically correct means to tolerate. That's what politically correct means. You just simply tolerate. And what happens, you become comfortable with things you should be uncomfortable with. That's what political correctness does. That's, that's what tolerating does. And this is what happened to the church in Thyatira. You have your Bibles? Let's look at verse, uh, we'll go real quick review, then we'll get to the message. Verse 18, and the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God. This is Jesus speaking here. Who has eyes like, a, like unto a flame of fire, very penetrating vision. Nothing goes beyond. He sees everything. His feet are like fine brass, dealing with judgment. He will be a just judge. Now, what's interesting, when you look at verse 19, is how he approaches these people. You know, and I know this is just like the Lord. Have you ever been around someone that's really negative? Are you, well, no. And, uh, but, uh, you know, you, you know, you get, I mean, you know, they're, they're the kind of person that brighten the room and they leave it. You ever feel like that? You know, I'm saying about you. Well, I'm glad that our Lord's not like that, aren't y'all? I'm glad that, that he is very positive and he's, he wants to encourage us. And he wants to lift us up uh, because we need some lifting up, don't we? We need some encouragement. And that's what he does. He, he's into that kind of stuff. Verse 19, I know thy works and thy charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. And what he's saying is that man, you're doing all these kind of things and you're actually growing. You're doing some, you're, you're moving ahead, you see. He saw that and he wanted to encourage them about that. Verse 20, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess. Now, he didn't call her a prophetess. She did that on her own. And what did she teach? To teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. You know what that, every time I read that scripture, you know that, it, it just, it amazes me that was happening. You know, here's the deal. This prophetess, this false prophetess, was teaching the very two things. When the Gentiles started coming into the church, the transition happened in Acts 1 through 10, and we see that was taking place. There was a little bit of a confusion in what they were going to do, and they had a, the council met together in Jerusalem to figure out what are the two things that they should require of these new believers that are Gentiles. This was the two things they required. These are the two things that the Scripture very plainly said, don't do this. And that's exactly what she told them to do. Don't you see a problem there? Don't you all see a difficulty? One of two things, and both are bad. One, they didn't read their Bibles. Or two, they chose to ignore it. 
Either one's a bad situation. This was a direct, I mean, this wasn't something that you had to kind of figure out. Was, was this wrong? It's against the scripture. It's wrong. Am I, am I, amen? If it's against the scripture, it's wrong. You don't have to figure, I mean, you don't have to go to Bible college to get that thing figured out. If it's not, if it's against the word of God, it is wrong. It's clear as that. And what she was ta- teaching was against this book, and for some reason, either they didn't know it, which is bad, or they knew it and they tolerated it. Either one is a bad situation. And so every time I read that, I don't know about you, it kind of kind of prompts me, you know, God doesn't reward ignorance. You know, he has, he has left us his, this counsel, which is the word of God, to help us know how to live the life that we're living. And so the thing that I encourage you is that you say, well, this couldn't happen to us. It is happening to us. We're seeing this kind of stuff all over the country going on. You know what the problem is? They don't know the book. And so they get someone there as a very charismatic teacher or someone that is, you know, very sincere and very passionate and very, you know, very forceful. And they say, well, he's so passionate, he's so sincere, he's so forceful, he must be right. No! If he goes against this book, he is wrong. Let me go a step further. If I speak against this book, I am wrong. You got to get a hold of that. Now, how did he deal with that? Well, verse 21. And I gave her space to repentance of her fornication, and she repented not. We see the Lord is being gracious. Now, I realize that some of us have a short fuse when it comes to stuff like this, and we want immediately to deal with that problem. <laughs> you know, they're messed up. They ought to be dealt with. And I, I, got, I got you on that, but I think, I, I think it's important for us to understand that God's very merciful, and I'm glad he is. Amen? I'm glad he's merciful and gracious to me. I don't mean he overlooks sin, not at all. But he's gracious and he's merciful. And he was this individual here, gracious and merciful, but she, she repented not. Well, verse 22, Behold, I will cast her into the bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Speaking of, this is speaking of unfaithfulness. A lot of times, in particularly in the Old Testament, when you see this type of, of language being used, you're dealing with unfaithfulness. Verse 23, very interesting, and I will kill her children with death, and speaking of her followers. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins of the hearts, and I will give every one of you according to your work. Did you, did you, you guys see that? You see what he just said here? He searches the, he knows what's going on. You ever, you ever try to, you know, fake out the Lord? I mean, you know, God really doesn't know. Yeah, he actually does. He actually does know stuff. And so he, it's important to understand. Now, I realize you can look at that in a negative area, but I think we also are looking at a positive area. God knows what's going on. God knows what my heart. Maybe, maybe other folks don't know or understand what I'm going through, but God does. That ought to be a blessing and a strength to us. Now, he goes on, and I will kill her children with death and and all the church shall know that I am he which searches the reins of the hearts, and I will give every, to every one of you according to your works. And, of course, what's happening, it's painfully clear here, there are severe consequences when you tolerate sin. That's about what it's saying, isn't it? There are severe consequences when you tolerate sin. Now, what does God encourage us to do? Look at verse 24. But unto you I say, and unto the rest of Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, 
which have not known the depths of Satan. <laughs> Let me tell you, guys. There's some stuff I know I wish I didn't know. There's some things I've seen I wish I've never seen. I, I work so hard in raising up kids that don't have to deal with some of that stuff. See what I'm saying? Some of you are sitting here this morning. You've got stuff in your minds and your hearts you wish was not there. And this is what the situation, but there's some folks, and, and what I pray for is cleansing. And, and well, the reason why, say, well, preacher, why are you guys going into public school? Because we're trying to keep them from this. There's some stuff we don't want them to see. The reason why that, we, that we've asked you to volunteer to help us on Tuesday and to be involved with our water program, because we don't want our kids seeing some of this stuff. We want to do everything we can. You say, you're trying, to, you're trying to cloister them. You're trying to, like a hothouse mentality, you're trying to keep them from that stuff. Yes, we are. Don't apologize for it. They're going to see enough as the, as the days go forward, aren't they? And so we don't want them to be involved with that stuff. Now, there, there, there are some things that he encourages us to do, verse 25. But that which ye have already hold fast till I come. Hold fast till I come. And this is the thing I want to talk about this morning. H how do we do that? Uh, how do we hold fast until he comes? And we do it by balancing truth and, and tolerance. You know, quite honestly, there have been times in my ministry and times in my life that I'm unsure what the rules are. Should we go to movies? Should we not go to movies? Should we be involved with anything that smacks of Halloween or no? What about the Christmas tree? See, there's a lot of things out there. And so we need to find out what are the standards of God and, and what is it that God would have us to hold fast to. And, of course, you can go to different ministries and all, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. So, but what does God's word say? Well, what, what do we need to hold fast to? And, you know, there's some things, a couple of things real quick I want to give to you that can cause an imbalance in your life. And we, we don't need that. We need balance. And there's some things that can cause imbalance. Let me quickly give these things to you to prepare you for the lesson I have for you this morning. Real quick. One would be truth without tolerance. Truth without tolerance is legalism. Truth without tolerance is legalism. People without joy. Uh, this was the era of the Pharisees. Uh, they, they were rule keepers, but they were hateful. The problem with this position is that one can keep the rules, be a spiritual list maker, and be a church attender, and still not be right with God. You can, have, you can do all those kind of things and still not be right with God. Legalism looks good, but it's death inside. Another way you can become imbalanced, tolerance without truth. That's liberalism. Liberalism. Truth without tolerance is legalism, and truth, tolerance without truth is liberalism. That's the position that anything goes. I mean, uh, we overlook serious sins. Uh, you know, we... Uh, uh, we don't call things sin anymore. We call it an alternate lifestyle. We don't call it sin. We call it, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you just have a disease. Uh, we cease calling it sin. We call it other things to make it okay. They kinda, the people that are, that are liberal, uh, they kind of fudge the rules. Uh, they compromise the truth. Uh, they have the spirit. Well, you know, God, God wants us to be happy. And, and, and after all, uh, no one's perfect. I heard someone say, someone, like I wrote down, Someone said, we can be so open-minded that our brains fall out. I thought, <laughs> I like that one. Okay, <laughs> that's kind of funny. So here's the deal, guys. So what do we do? We need truth with to tolerance. That's called balance. 
We need truth with talents. We see a, our Lord as a good example of that. When they, in, the old, in the New Testament, when they brought that lady who was committed adultery, a very active adultery, they said they threw her down. And truth-wise, she should have been stoned. But we find that, that, that Jesus was there, and he didn't overlook the sin. But he, 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 in fact, he dealt with it. Don't, don't do that, and don't do it anymore. He gave grace and tolerance. But the truth was, he dealt with the truth. didn't ignore the truth, but he gave tolerance with that. John 1.14 says this, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten Son, get this, full of grace and truth. Amen. I'm glad for God's grace and truth. John 1.17, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. I am grateful and thankful for his grace and truth. But here's the deal. How do we find balance? Uh, how do I... Know when to stand. How do I know grace and truth? How do I do that? And this morning I want to give you, and I don't do a lot of this kind of uh, checklist stuff or, you know, 48 rules to, you know, whatever. And but, but I happen to have that today. You know, I want to give you, a, it's kind of like a filter, if you will. Uh, it's kind of like a checklist of stuff and, and uh, that you can kind of, you know, take home and, and hopefully it'll help you be a strength to you because we, we want you to have balance in your life. We, we don't want you to be liberal or legalistic. We don't want you to be the one of those things. You know, I'm, I'm not desire. We want you to have some balance in your life. And here's, here's the deal. So when you're getting ready to deal with an issue, whatever the issue may be, whatever the problem may be, uh, you've got to filter through something. Because you you've probably have asked yourself the question when you're dealing with an issue or a problem, and the question is this, what should I do? What should I do? How do I handle it? You know what people say? Just pray about it. Not, I'm not belittling prayer. You know that. I mean, you know, prayer is so much a part of my life and all. But, but, I don't, but, you know, that doesn't always do it for me. I pray about it, and, you know, I pray God give me some direction. Uh, God kind of enlighten me, if you will. Uh, it's, like, it's like how you all have your devotions. I'm sure you probably do the same thing I do. I read the Bible and say, God, uh, I don't understand that. Or is that talking about me? Or I hope I'm not doing that kind of stuff. Lord, help me not to be that way. I, I, you know, y'all, you know, I... Say, how do you pray? You just heard my prayer. That's how I talk to God. I don't have a, I don't have a you know, uh, a situation. Although I must admit, uh, well, I won't tell you about that. Don't you hate that? It's so much fun. Well, no, tell me, I'm not going to tell you anyway. It's too late. It's too late. I'm past it now. I got to go on. I got I got to go with this thing. Okay, here we go. There's five things. Five things I want to give you that kind of a filter. When you're trying to make a decision, you can filter them through it. Number one, is this a major or minor issue According to the Bible, whatever the decision that needs to be made, whatever the problem needs to be made, is this a major or minor issue according to the Bible? Not according to what you think or how you feel, according to what God's Word says. That's why it's so important to study the Word of God, that you can know what He says. He says things on every area, if you'll just read the Word of God. And so the first thing is, what is this a major or minor issue according to what the Word of God says, not what I think, how I feel, but according to the Word of God. Now, in each of these things, there'll be a principle I'll share with you. Here's the principle. Whatever the decision you've got to make is this. In the major issues, we must have unity. Dealing with the virgin birth, blood atonement, I mean, there's no, there's no ground. We must have unity. In the minor issues... 
I was raised in a church where we were taught not to wear slacks. Women were not supposed to wear slacks, and, and on and on it goes. There was a lot of things that was taught there. And, and, and goodwill people, not a problem uh, at all. Uh, but I think that, and, you know, I, I feel this way about it, that, that you know, they were, to me it wasn't, a, it wasn't a scriptural conviction, but it didn't matter. This is what they felt about the situation. But in those areas, we must have charity. We must have diversity. Uh, a lot of people are just different, not wrong. They're just different. And so the principle behind this point is that the major issues we must have unity and the minor issues we must have diversity and, and everything we must have charity which is love it's important there's never an excuse for us not to love speak the truth of love we need to express love uh, when we're dealing with people and all and hey the world did not invent love Jesus took God took care of that God is love so that's the first that's the first uh, filter to take of the number two do you have a biblical conviction about this issue Speaking of a personal, let me give you some insight. Romans 14, verse 5. One man esteem one day above another, another esteem every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Verse 14, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean in itself. But him that esteem anything unclean to him it's unclean. Verse 22, hast thou faith, have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the things which he alloweth. And, of course, what he's talking about here and all is that it's generally if it's doubtful, it's probably dirty. You need to stay away from it. If I, if I have a doubt about something, I generally try to stay away. If I have a question about it, uh, you know, it's not something I really have to do. You know, I try to stay away from it and all. So I need to be careful about that. This is one of the filters. Filter number three, question number three. How will your decisions evolve, impact immature believers? <clears throat> it's my life. I'll live it any way I want. I don't care what people think. That's true if you're in control, but if Jesus is in control of your life. If I understand the Bible says that I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, live by the faith, the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. And so it does matter. I think it's very important to, uh, that we are careful uh, about uh, this decision that I'm getting ready to make. Will it impact immature believers? I think we need to be careful about that. Uh, Romans 14, 13, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Let us therefore follow after the things which made for peace, things wherein one may edify. Here's the principle. I have a responsibility to others. You have a responsibility to others. It really does matter how you live your life. You have a responsibility to others. I think it's important for us to understand that, important for us to see that. You, you know, really, what God is, God has left us here to be an encouragement and an uplift to each other, and we need to be that. And so as I'm getting ready to make this decision, will it impact in a, in a negative way an immature believer? I need to be careful about that. Uh, number four, will this reflect my, reflect my love for the Lord? Whatever decision that I'm trying to make, and as I make the decision, will this reflect my love for the Lord, that I love the Lord? I love my wife. We have been married a long time. I love her. I want to do things that reflect that love to her. I don't want people to question that, you know. Uh, folks know, like my, like my, give you an example. 
uh, I have a thing called a cell phone. Are you familiar with those? It doesn't matter where I'm at or what I'm doing, who I'm with. If Charlotte calls me on the phone, I answer it. I don't care who I'm with. I, I may be at a counseling situation. I said, I'm sorry, it's my wife. I, gotta, I need to talk to her. I want that to reflect that she is first in my life. Well, Jesus, <laughs> Charlotte. <laughs> you know, but I, I think it's important that we do things that reflect that. And people, you know, I've been talking to people. I immediately do that because, see, I want her to know, you know. And I'll say, honey, I, I mean, I'm in a real situation here and all. And she says, well, it doesn't matter. You need to talk to me. <laughs> she, doesn't say, she, doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't say that. But, but, but I kind of feel that way. No, not really. But, uh, but she's very gracious and all. But, I, I mean, I want her to know that she, I love her, that she's first. And, and I want my actions to reflect that. You know, I want my, you know, by you being here this morning, your actions say that you love God. Because this time you're spending right here is gone. You can't use it anywhere else. You have given God your very best. You gave him your time. See, that's why it's important that when I get ready to do something, you know, I, I want it to reflect. Someone sums up like this. Love God with all your heart soul, mind, and strength, and then do what you please. Now, don't misunderstand that. If you love the Lord with your soul, mind, strength, what you're going to please will be to God. You will be pleasing God. Here's the principle. I must remember who I am. I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. Say, you're a preacher. Yeah, but way before I was ever that, I was the other. And when I, when God's called me to the ministry, that didn't change any. I'm still, first and foremost, I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ, just like you. The last thing is this. What would my spiritual role model do? That kind of may sound a little Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And, and the, the real principles here, you need to have people in your life that are spiritual role models. You know, I, I, cheer to, I want to get around people that are spiritual. I want to get around people that, that love the Lord. Um, Carol, I'm going to use you as an example. Is that okay? It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway. But uh, I've been in church. How long have I been here? I'm over 20 years now. Carol's been here. And I've watched her life. She's a spiritual woman. I want to be around her. That's the kind of people I want to be around. Because, you see, they make me better. They make me better. I, I, I stay away from people that are negative and critical. I stay away from folks that are don't love God. I, don't, I just don't want to be around it. Now, I'm not saying I'm not going to be a witness. And I'm not saying I don't, I'm not a vow. But you know, what I'm, you know when I'm around people that aren't spiritual or I know they're unsaved? Uh, I, I'm not, they're not, I'm around them, but I'm there as an instrument of God. There's not any fellowship going on. I'm just simply there proclaim the things of God. You need to get around some people. You have, an, you have any idea? I know you think, well, preach you guys just putting these new programs together because you want to copy everyone else. You, didn't know, even, even, you, don't, you probably don't know me at all if you believe that. Nah, you're talking about not copying. I don't want to copy anybody. I want to, well, I, I pause. It's not true. I want to copy the Lord. I'd like to do that. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? I want to copy Jesus. 
but you, you might not understand what we're doing. You've heard us say it a lot. We talk about these small groups that we're talking about. The reason that we're doing that is that we want to get you around people that are spiritual. We, we want to get people together that are spiritual and that can help each other. Let me tell you something. This life is tough. It's tough to live this life. Man, you know, there's so many things happening and there's so much confusion. And so I think it's very important that we, you get around people that are spiritual and that, that, that you, you need to get into small groups and we're going to be talking more and more about that probably until your ears bleed because we believe it's so very important. Now, the reward is he finishes up here in verses 27 and 28. He says this, He shall rule them with a rod of iron. The vessels of a potter shall they be broken of shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star, speaking of Jesus. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith in the churches. And of course, what he's saying here, he's promised one day he's going to be with us. We're going to actually be with him. And what he's saying is hold fast. I'm telling you, don't tolerate sin in your life. Don't get comfortable with something you should be uncomfortable with. Don't tolerate friends in your life that don't care about the things of God because that, a negative, will always drain the positive. Don't place yourself in a position to say this, I can handle it. You are raw. You can't handle it. So I challenge you this morning, the very middle of the churches, he deals with probably the most serious problem that's in our world today, political correctness. We are tolerating things that should make us uncomfortable. I'm saying it's time to stop that. God has spoken to your heart this morning, and maybe you're as I've been speaking, you've been looking at some things in your heart and life that, wow, you know, this is not right. Or, Man, I need to get that straightened out. Well, this morning we're going to pray. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm glad that we can cast our care upon him because he cares for us. I'm thankful that this morning that we don't have to shoulder the burdens alone that God will see fit to uh, bear those burdens. So whatever your need is this morning, we're going to pray. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You say, preacher, God isn't speaking to my heart. There's some things in my life that, man, you know, I... I